You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win Podcast. We are going to learn from our guest today how to scale a business where the deliverable is unique to each client, which I think describes a whole wide swath of businesses. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to tell people that uh, for those of you who are uh, practitioners, uh, whether at firms or solo practitioners of fractional leadership, fractional executive work, I just want to let you know that uh, fractional leadership community has an event coming up in mid-November, where uh, mid-November 2022, in case you're listening to this uh, three years from now, where uh, Rob Dubay, who uh, is giving a, a seminar for members, purely for members of fractional leadership on how to uh, master the 10 disciplines to master your energy. It's based on some work by Gino Wickman, the founder of EOS. So uh, Rob Dubay, the founder of the 10 Disciplines Company, is, is going to be giving a special seminar just for fractional leader members. So if you're already a member, stay tuned for your emails about that. If you're not a member of fractional leadership and you're a practitioner of fractional executive work, check out fractionalleadership.io for more about that. Again, that event's coming up in November, only available to fractional leadership members. And with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, he is the uh, founder and a partner at Pines Federal, a Houston-based law firm focused on federal employment law, collective bargaining, and they have a rare expertise in certain niche elements, highly niche elements of uh, VA, Veterans Administration Law. So big experts. You can find out more about them at pinesfederal.com. Uh, I count him as a friend as well. Please welcome Eric Pines. Welcome, Eric. Hi, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and I appreciate you making the time to have this conversation today because the topic of how do you scale and make process-oriented a business that's highly customized and highly specific like the law, like, you know, like the law. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to ask you if you can give people some context, maybe a two-minute background on yourself and kind of how we got to be having a conversation about this topic today. Sure, it's my pleasure. Uh, so I graduated from a law school in Loyal Law School in Los Angeles in uh, 1995. Um, ran off and uh, studied some in Israel um, for a couple of years. So religion came back, fell into a job at the um, AFG 1923, which is the largest federal uh, union local in the United States. One of those things where I had a gap in my resume, so I took the first job I could get. But I ended up finding that I was in a niche, which um, as we, many of us in law know and, and other areas, uh, when you're in a niche, it's much easier to find clients and it's uh, it allows you to become a specialist in a particular field. Um, so I went with that. I worked there for about eight or nine years for the union. Then I, I moved um, Then I moved to um, to Houston, Texas, after eight years, so I could be closer to my wife's family. Uh, when I did that, I recognized that I either have to go get a government job because I was working in the federal government field, or I have to start my own firm. So I just tried to wing it, starting my own firm, and it seemed to go pretty well, and it continued to grow. And uh, we uh, ended up starting in my garage. I started my garage, and I ended up taking a partner on. So I went from just me about 10 years ago to about 24 employees right now. Wow, awesome. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And, you know, and, and this topic of like, how do you scale and bring process to a business that is highly cut, that has a highly customized work product, whether service or product physically to clients or customers? How do you, you know, how do you scale and processize 
which is I know not a real word, but you know, how do we do that? That's a, that's a challenge. It's, you know, you face that in law because obviously every factual situation is different. Every you know, legal analysis based on those facts and every situation is different. Um, and obviously, well, also the fact that you're coming from Houston is cl- close to my heart. I got a lot of family in Houston and uh, you know, my, uh, my dad's family, we have, you know, people in about four or five cities throughout Texas. So, uh, I uh, went to Houston just uh, just in 2021 for a conference, actually. But um, but anyway, so I guess, you know, when we get into this, I, I think of like custom construction, general contractors, you know, they have obviously every house, every set of plans, everything is different. The exact materials needed for every site in construction is different. Uh, at my firm and the other hat that I wear as a firm of fractional integrators, fractional COOs, well, look, every client is different. Every leadership team is different. Every every visionary, every founder has different goals and 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 different needs and different problems. So our work product is different for every uh, client. You know, consultants. I mean, this is just the list goes on and on. So um, I, I guess so. Before we get into this, when when it coming from a legal perspective, so before we talk about like how do you processize and how to make things more scalable, like how do things typically work in law firms? So that's a great question. And it's um, interestingly enough, just like you talked about the uniqueness of different areas of professionals, there's also uniqueness in in, in law in and of itself. For example, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a very big picture person who's always looked into to growing my business um, to to, you know, to acquire something, make it bigger, that that feeling of actually doing something and, and, and allowing it to grow. So I've always been looking into how to do this, how to grow your business. And it's funny, when you first look, you find that the people generally who have these systems in place or these organizations that grow things are in the in the estate planning, wills and trust field. Um, I think it just lends itself more to like processes because you know, you're mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over with wills. So at the same time, I, I do litigation. So the interesting thing is um, what a person is able to do in, in a transactional sort of way and what they're able to do in a, in a litigation way, it, it, speaking specifically to your question, are going to be very different because each, as you said, generally each will is going to be pretty similar or, or each contract is going to be generally similar, maybe not quite as much as a will, but, uh, but at litigation, every case is completely different. In my particular situation, I'll just say some of my cases are about people who've been fired from their jobs because they sent uh, like personally protected information that someone should have seen, or let's say that they uh, did something wrong at work or, you know, harassment or something like that. Or I'm helping somebody over here, a doctor who has been accused uh, of maybe um, not treating a patient um, fairly at the VA. Um, or I'm over here dealing with somebody who works at the, the Census Bureau who um, needs a reasonable accommodation. Right. So it's all over the gamut in, in my area. So I'll answer your question now with that background. I like to look at it like, and, I, and I'll probably say this theme a few times, kind of like a symphony. Basically, you have your your rhythm, your bass, uh, where you've got, that's that's your processes. Basically, that's going to be something in each situation that's probably going to repeat itself, the intake process, the mm-hmm. meeting, with, meeting with the clients, um, as far as once the case is signed up, how you deal with it, um, your computer program that you do for for um, keeping your files that's that's going to be um, your ba- that, that's going to be your rhythm that continues but then then meeting with the client specifically is more of the of the melody and it's going to be unique to that person and um, I would just say to answer your question 
it's it, your question is is the answer in essence. You you have to tell yourself that basically you need to have certain parts that are set up so you can run the business and scale and grow. But you need to have but then you need to have the melody. You need to have you. What makes you unique? What's your unique ability, as they say? Um, and 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 so that the, the client recognizes that there's something special and unique about your touch while they're properly organized and structured within your system. Right. That's, that's that's starting to speak about how it should work. Is is that how it works in most law firms? Oh, I mean, I what kind that. of picture would you <laughs> would you paint about about how it works in most law firms that you either that you've been in or either how you used to be, how other people work? Yeah. So my optimism got me jumping ahead. Good point. <laughs> um, it's the opposite. Uh, you're exact. That, the question is is a great question. It, it, it's the opposite. Basically, what hap what happens is is a practical thing. The reality of the situation is most professionals, lawyers, are not taught how to run it. Well, I would say almost all are not taught. There's no class in law school about how to run a business. Right. Basically, you know how to represent a client and you know how to advocate for that client. So you start off by advocating for clients and then you start to grow and you recognize that, you know, I could use a paralegal to help me. I could use a law clerk to help me. And then you start to realize, hey, I'm, you know, we're pretty good at this. I'll bring on another attorney. Generally, that's how firms grow. They either grow organically by one person, which is my situation, or some people come from, a lot of people leave other law firms. They're part of a larger firm and they break off to start their own. Right. Then you have a question of whether that person really, were they involved in the management of that firm? So what happens practically for the most part is you grow, you become bigger. And I know I've, I've, I've worked in EOS and I've read about, about this and the E-Myth and they talk about this idea as small businesses grow, you sort of hit a ceiling. It, become, it becomes very, very difficult to scale yourself and to grow. And so many things become disorganized and become frustrating and become, um, you know, you find yourself too big for, for your structure. Gen that's generally what happens. Right. Okay. So back to, back to what you began speaking about, about, you know, to use not real words again, processizing the processizable mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. You know, and then you know, customizing the non-customizable, and you 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 are non-processizable. You know, and you you gave a music analogy. You know that there's you know that there's a certain structure behind it, and then there but then there's a specific music which is different in each case. So, like, how, how do you you know? I guess how do you set that up? Like brass tacks. I, actually, I'll, I'll give an example. I I I worked years ago when I was in law school at a, at a as a law clerk in a firm that did this called no fault law which is this form of personal injury law, you know, for cases of, of, of car accidents under $50,000 in damages. And they said that you didn't have to prove fault. You could just basically, whatever, you know, you didn't have to prove fault. This is what was called no fault law. So it was this whole statutory regime. And because statutes and regulations defined every single nuance of this field of law, a firm in that space was able to really make this super processized because there was so little difference between cases. I mean, they had all of their motions pre-written that like you just, everything was, they plugged in this custom database that they made. And you just say like, okay, I want to make this argument or click off this argument, this argument. And it would just write the whole motion for you. Like everything was merge fields and like processized to, you know, and notices and, uh, you know, affidavits and just motions to dismiss, et cetera, et cetera. Everything was, everything was processized. 
it was about two thirds staff and one third lawyers because there was just so much other stuff that was able to be processized. Um, but you know, not all fields of law, probably most fields of law are not that uniform about how everything is the same in every case. So how did you go about, maybe get a little bit more into the weeds on how you are, how you were able to processize you know, more and more aspects or break away from that normal organic growth of a law firm? Sure. Uh, okay. So first of all, like everything in life, it's a work in progress. Um, I'm always trying to work on it. And I, uh, you know, I'm working actively with, with, with business. I worked with business coaches throughout my, my career. Um, most of them not in the legal field, which brings a, a fresh uh, approach because um, there aren't that many people in the legal field who actually can help you build your law firm. And they, they let you know how other fields have to be mechanized. Lawyers aren't aware of that. But to answer your question, how did I do it? So I started working with business coaches. I read a lot of books um, and I talked to technical professionals. So getting back to what you were saying before, and, and again, wills and trusts is something they have all these programs. Like I think there's thing called Wealth Council where like you just mm, you type right. the, your name in and then boom, it prints the whole thing. out. So right. that's not our field. That's not our field at all. We have some parts of our practice that are like that. Like we actually represent some people in disability. And so we have we have templates, okay? We have templates set apart and we just um, enter their names. But at the and same for time- For collective bargaining also. I mean, if you have if you have 100,000 people under the same collective bargaining agreement, there's probably a lot of similarities that you're able to do there, no? Yeah, and that's a good example where other- mm -hmm. con There's each. We work for a bunch of different federal agencies. I represent the largest local. We, we alone represent- 10 different agencies and they all have 10 different contracts. If you're negotiating a contract, you can just look at another another contract or the previous contract is the best example. You already come in with with a template. But but what but what I'm saying though as far as um it's a lot harder in the litigation field. Let's just right. be clear. So when we're talking about the litigation field, you have to bring in you have to merge and bring in technology. Like I use we use something called Zapier which is like an API it will, it, and we use Clio online, which is our, our, our process for um, it's our, sorry, our, our, our CRM are basically how we, we keep our cases on. So then we have Clio syncing back and forth and shooting us um, templates that say, okay, what, you know, write down your case review notes. And then that case review notes automatically through Zapier with its API will shoot out to my intake people that says to them, send a retainer to this person and assign this case to X. So you have to come up nice. with repeatable processes right. uh, using technology and having the expertise of someone in technology. And you have to have the right computer programs that work with that technology. So that is, is kind of a planning head. A good example um, is Clio in and of itself um, has uh, Clio is one of the largest CRMs for for um, for for uh, attorneys as far as keeping track of their of their cases. But they have every year they have a seminar uh, where you can go there and you can talk about like the cutting edge of the of how these programs work together. And this, so you want basically you want you want to bring you, you want to bring together processes that are process like you said processizable or systemizable this is probably another word probably that's probably better to use <laughs> uh, systemizable you want to know that that to answer your question you have to know what's systemizable and what's not systemizable and if it is systemizable you need to make a system for it and if it's not systemizable that's you basically that's the melody as i was saying before and that's what makes you unique it's this whole idea of planting and building. Basically, you want to have a structure, the structure of the building, but at the same time, it's not. If you're just the structure of the building, there, there's no, there's no uniqueness of you that's going to set you apart from from 
the person who's sitting next to you with the, the law firm next door. So you also have to have be able to blend into your system. And I'll say one more thing before I turn it back to you. So what we do is we have these systems in place to have cases assigned. Uh, but at the same time, when a case review comes, um, I'll sit in on the, either I'll do the case review myself or I'll sit in on the case review and I'll bring my personal touch to the case that we care about the clients. I bring our values that you come first. It's not about us making money. It's about us taking care of you. We have to make money. Of course, I'm very honest, but but the reality of the situation is, is it's about making sure that you specifically as an individual that I figure out big picture what's best for you and that that's what everyone in my firm does. And I make sure that on a human level, while we're using those systems, we have that touch in there. So the people and I mean, and so the people recognize that we're unique and we care deeply about their needs. And in addition to the fact that we're an excellent law firm. Right. No, so that's a that's a great example. Like you're doing a client intake or, a, you know, or a case review. So there's a, a certain format to that. There's a there's a process to it. There's certain places where you put that in a certain way that it's done. So that's in the same pro, you know, I mean, in the same activity, there's a process driven part or a systemized part. And then there's a customized part. That's, you know, the, the unique quality. And uh, do you think it's, do you think it's necessary? I think you mentioned that in every uh, client intake or in that meeting that you're there as the owner of the firm, is that, is that there with, a, is that the case with all clients or is, is that something that's also systemizable or trainable that we, you know, that, that you can get other attorneys into, in, into able to do that too, to the same quality, or it's just going to be something different without, without the founder there? No, that's a great question. And it's probably the greatest difficulty in run in running your own business. I think you, anyone who runs their own business has to know that it's your baby and you want it to be a certain way, but you, that's part of the whole process of, you read an e-myth or an EOS, you have to be able to let go. You have to be able to delegate. You have to, so, so the answer to that is, you know, again, a work in progress in my firm, but you need to find that person who shares your values with you and who can give over that passion of the firm of what's important. And and we all have different personalities. We give disc assessments for personalities whenever we hire somebody. Um, so you figure out who has that sort of personality, who understands your firm and can give over that personal touch. So to answer your question specifically, I'm not doing case reviews as much as I used to. There was an idea that I might come in five or 10 minutes to someone else's case review and give that personal touch. That's the ultimate goal basically where I'm just there for five minutes to say here, here's what we about, what we're about. If you ever have an emergency or something, you know, I'm here behind the scenes, but this person is going to help you. That's that um, in time though, I'm going to, you know, I will hopefully retire one day and there has to be a way to be able to have someone replace that aspect of it as well. So to answer your question is the goal clearly is not for everything to fall to me. The goal is to have somebody who at least shares my values and is coming in if, and, and in general, that should be the person doing the case review, but it's not always the case. And so, but you at least need to make sure someone comes in and has that backup and, and brings that personal touch to it within the system. Right. Well, I think what you're saying now brings out a really, really important point, which is that for all this talk that we're having about processes and systems, that there's a precursor or a foundation that sits under the process and under the system, uh, that the system can't work without the right people. And that you can only, you could only delegate and trust and have a process and, you know, and good training and obviously you have to support people and having the tools to carry out a process. 
but that's not going to work unless they're the right people. Unless they, as you said, share your values and are internally motivated to take care of, let's say clients or customers the same way you are, or whatever your values are. Um, that's, that's the foundation. I mean, process is great, but that's kind of built on top of or window dressing around, uh, around having the right people who can carry out those processes and, and take care of people. Because as you said, I mean, that's what sets you apart. Right. hundred percent. And that's probably the hardest part, especially in this post COVID economy today, you can't yeah. ask for a more difficult time to find a person, um, who has that type of talent and that type of, of feeling that you're looking for in, in a tight labor market. It's very difficult. You yeah. know, when you find that person, you have to make sure that they know that they're appreciated and are happy where they are because they don't come around all that often, but they exist. You know, the, you know, humans are, we all have our different personality types and, and to be honest, you know, we're always in a process of trying to find quality people right. we get them we hold on to them but you know people leave for unique reason we just actually had someone who left because and they were they were part of our management team they left mm -hmm. because they were they were offered forty thousand dollars more mm -hmm. and the ability to work from home all the time so mm -hmm. we love that person they love us but we said go we said you know i would take that job you, you can't turn it down so you know a lot of these things are out of your hands but there you know there's a goal that you shoot for and there's a process of course to try and hire and giving these personality tests and trying to find the right that per that find the right person is just something you constantly have to strive for and to find but at the end, end of the day there's no one that's going to replace you but the goal is to get as close as you can <laughs> so. right yeah and 100 um i i recommend that people listen to a recent interview on the wolf on the uh win-win podcast with marcus sheridan who's the author of they ask you answer and we were talking about a similar topic. It was not talking about attorneys. It was talking about content managers is in the marketing field. But we're talking about a similar topic, which is the difficulty of hiring great people today. And he was, and people should go listen to the interview because Marcus makes the case, you know, why if you, you know, if, if, if you lay out and you clearly communicate in the way that you're communicating the role, uh, you know, what people are going to be able to achieve and what they, the impact they're going to make and, you know, how much the role is valued and the creativity of it. And it's not just, you know, ex, you know, executing like a computer um, that, that, that that's something that people want and that, and that it's not as hard as you think to find good people, which is, was an interesting take. I, mean, I still need to absorb it, but, you know, probably is something that would be a good supplement uh, for people to listen to uh, after this episode. Um but I guess so as, as as a last question, if, if if you don't mind sharing any any specific examples of like processes or systems that you you know took from something that was a little more ad hoc before, and just you know one one example of one area uh, where you or anybody in the firm uh, took something and and brought process into something where it hadn't been uh, where it hadn't been before. Sure, um, I would say. There, there's a certain part of our practice, as I was saying before, um, about disability retirement. We represent certain people. Um, a lot of firms who help people with this, basically the idea here is that that a person in order to get disability retirement, um, they have to prove that they cannot do the occupation they were assigned to do. Um, so it happens to be that 
you can, a person could basically just um, help that person fill out the forms, help them ga gather the doctor's notes or the doctor's information, bring it all together and send it into the Office of Personnel Management, which is the deciding person, the deciding agency in this particular case. Well, that's not what we do at all. We, we have specifically an intake form that asks them uh, about what their condition is. It asks them, did they request reasonable accommodation? It asks them, do they get along with their supervisor? These are all forms that have to be filled out. There's the 3112B, D, C, all these forms. Basically, it puts, uh, it puts in this template they're answering all the questions. It's funny, many times they'll say to us, uh, why do I have to fill this out? I just told you all this. Well, the reason they have to fill it out is because it automatically pulls the information in and puts it into a template um, of, of a doctor's letter. And that doctor's letter is something a lot of, a lot of I don't, I don't, I think we may be the only ones and, and someone who used to work with us actually uh, helped us come up with this idea. He does it, but he's on his own. Um, but the, the basically that doctor's letter speaks to every single thing that the Office of Personal Management wants to know. And then we have, we give that doctor's letter to the doctor. Of course, we don't take this client on unless the doctor has agreed in advance to take this. And the, the letter is in Word. It's in Word format. The doctor takes the letter and can make any changes they want because obviously mm -hmm. it has to be ethical. <laughs> but they know exactly what OPM is looking for. And many times they'll make some minor changes. Sometimes they take wholesale accept the letter because they agree that because we've gone through the medical records, we've laid it out for them and we've talked about what's in the position description that the person cannot do anymore. Then so then you've got that situation. Basically, it's become a pattern where there's a personal touch that we're holding the hand of the client, but everything fits very neatly into this letter. That and we have formats for each type of injury, uh, men mental injuries, of uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. issues, I'm sorry, uh, physical injuries. Um, and then you've got um, um, we help with the forms, and then and then basically we piece the whole thing together, and then we draft a cover letter in our own words, tying it all together. And that's like the human element because the OPM clerk who's looking at it has all of 10 seconds right. to, to look and at. Maybe, and, and before before you put all this into place, was it just like two months of back and forth with the doctor? Oh, you know, you left this out, you left that out. But now you give them the letter. 100%. It just saves two months of back and forth and busy doctor time and secretaries 100%. in their office, you know. 100%. And sometimes much worse. Sometimes the doctor says, I don't want to help. If you were just to go help take that case on, you were taking that person's money, right? We charge a flat fee for that. Um, and you go through all this trouble and the doctor says, you know, I, I don't want to, a lot of times doctors don't like lawyers, let's be honest. And they don't want to help because they feel they're going to get, you know, show up to some social security hearing, which is not the case in this field. So um, it happens to be they'll, all they have to do is write the letter. No one ever talks to them, but they don't know that. So it's so a lot of times they'd say, I don't want to be involved. So if you haven't checked with the doctor in advance, and found out that they know this letter's coming and they're willing right. to look at it, then in essence, basically you've got the flat fee and let's say, you know, hypothetically $5,000 in your pocket. Um, and you've got a client who doesn't even look like they're going to get disability because no doctor supported them. So right. having, having that process in place where you check in advance, having right. the doctor in place where the doctor doesn't, doctors don't want to do the work. Right. and Make it easy for them. Right. They might charge you $10,000 for a letter like that because doctors charge, you know, $600 an hour to write letters. You know, so. But yes, the answer to your question is yes. It, it's made a huge difference. Right. And our, with our passage rate and, and bringing clients in and, and doing a good job for them. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great example. Um, you know, I have a construction client that, you know, just does the same thing. Like, look, every, every, every job is different. Every house is different. Uh, but, 
all houses have plans and all houses have a physical structure that you could walk through. Like there's certain similarities. And so, you know, if we take everything that they want to do and all their choices about the wood and, you know, make a process, okay. The head of, you know, the project manager has to go down with the client and the salesperson to confirm everything's right before the job. And, you know, they're clear on whatever they need to order or what needs to be delivered. It just, you know, so you make it a process instead of, you know, because you make it a process that that whole pro that whole, uh, exercise is done before any job starts, any construction job starts. So then you don't get to the site the day the work is supposed to start and be like, oh, we don't have enough glue, or we don't have enough wood, or it's a wrong measurement, or we're missing this room, or we're missing that room, or whatever. Everything's been worked out in advance. You know, before that was done, like, you know, you, you think it was all on paper, you think it was all in your notes, and you show up, and then you have to come back to a site for four or five days instead of one day uh, because of a lack of planning. So just an example, again, every house is different, but the fact that you do this check and who has to be there, you know, and how we communicate from sales to the field of what to do with the job. It's another example of, you know, how you can bring process into something, even though every job is custom, just like with, you know, with you guys, although obviously construction and legal services is very different, but that's a great, a great, great example with those, with those doctor letters and, and that process. Listen, Eric, really, really appreciate you coming on the show today and talking and waking us up a little bit to this idea that because sometimes we think, you know, for custom business, custom related businesses, we just think like, oh, no, we're custom. We're fully custom. It would take away our entire unique benefit if we, uh, you know, made any processes. Well, no, there are things that there are activities that are repeating. There are activities that staff members rather than your most expert uh, team members can do. Um, and you know, there, you know, there's computer systems and Zapier and, you know, and CRMs and you know, Clio and all kinds of systems like that in different fields, uh, that, that can make a lot of this more systemized, you know, and still give, you know, and then what is it, what's it called? There's some people have this quote that's, what's it called? Systemize the repeatable. So you can, what was it? Systemize the repeatable so you can I don't know, humanize the exceptional or some phrase like that, meaning you systemize the repeatable parts of whatever it is that you do. So you could focus your energy, not on these admin tasks or sitting for hours and hours on a computer, but, you know, on the customer relationship, on the, on right. the piece that makes people feel special on the music, as you put it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's a, the best analogy of all is I always just think about like, is, is music is, is a person to play a violin he has to spend you know hours and hours learning the scales he has to you know well, i should speak to guitar because i speak guitar and i don't know much about violin but you have to learn scales if you want to be able to solo on your guitar and you have to learn it over and over and it's repetitive and it's boring but then once you've got that down that's when your creativity comes in and that's what right. that's what people are interested when because you're putting your heart in it but you can't put your heart into it right. until you have the systems and the place. basics so I totally agree yeah, that's great. Actually, I connect that. It, I connected to typing. You know, I'm a writer. I've written books, and you know, I I had a semester of typing in high school. You know, just drilled, 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 till I got to you know after a you know after a while, 50, 60 words a minute. But now, again, I can write whatever I want without any effort, without pecking, you know, without searching and pecking at the keyboard. I could just you know type whatever it is, 50, 60 words a minute, whatever I want to communicate to people. I could focus on the content, not on the laborious act of typing just because that became easy through the through the through the drilling earlier but anyway so good analogy i appreciate it and obviously i actually did have a feeling that you had a music background with that music <laughs> analogy that kept coming up again and I was, again i just wanted to like 
just show I wasn't making it up. There you go. You have an actual real life guitar there. Yeah. Uh, Thank not, you so not, much. A, not a digital, not an NFT. No, the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Eric, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for making the time to talk about this. And uh, we will, again, you could find out more about Eric and his firm at pinesfederal.com. Really appreciate you coming out. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. You too. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.